them. You know, the Vancouver, we also have the weather that probably Seattle likes as well. I grew up wrestling with my two younger brothers. It was nice that they were younger, and they were smaller than me. And then I got three sons of my own, so I wrestled with them a lot on the trampoline in our backyard, often in our family room because it rains a lot in Vancouver. I could pin them all down, hold them in a pile of writhing limbs that they still never quit, never ran out of steam. Finally, I was like, God, enough already. I stole white uncle. I cried uncle. And as they grew older, the wrestle just grew more intense. Then, that sad day, I didn't want to wrestle anymore, at least not all three of them. I was afraid that I might get hurt. <laughs> was God afraid of getting hurt when God said, let go, let me go? Probably should have been. God would get hurt later wrestling with us. It was that even God. Because this is a different Darker, literally darker, stranger sort of wrestling story, isn't it? That poet pastor Frederick Beekner says, Out of the deep of the night, a stranger leaps. He hurls himself at Jacob. They fall to the ground, their bodies lashing in the darkness. Terrible enough to see the attacker's face. Or, sorry, terrible enough not to see the attacker's face. And his strength is more terrible still. The strength of more. What an odd story. Here at church, we expect some direct, obvious, moral teaching, don't we? At least a clearly edifying story with a maximum precept, a moral for the punchline. So we can walk out of here uplifted, edified, least instructed in the good life. That's not this bizarre little story, is it? This subversive little story undermines our view of God and good human behavior. It kind of gets under our skin, it gets into our bone marrow, it itches, it pricks it, it doesn't let us go. At least it didn't let God's people go, century after century. Like a David Severus short story that I got to read for our team this special weekend that they're doing. Um, thank you, Matthew, for your generosity and hospitality to us. But there's this inflammatory, this heart rattling power that Sedaris' stories. Most of the Jesus. So much of the story is unclear. Like Jacob, we're in the dark about the opponent's identity. Can this assailant really be? But this adversary, this aggressor, this, this attacker is called each a man, a male, human being. <laughs> the reason for this attack is also unclear. The significance of the outcome, unclear. We're not even sure about the nature of the wound, the meaning of Yakov or Jacob's new name, unclear. The importance of this event for the rest of Jacob, Yakov's life, unclear. The importance of the story for us. For Jacob's project, 
in spite of all these many things we do not know, do not understand, so that everything really, the story becomes a foundational story, a principle, an elemental story for God's people. Perhaps this is, this is our big story right here. This God wrestling aimed to define God's people. Stories set them apart in a fundamental way from the neighbors around them. Israel's neighbors, they all had their own exclusive communities, uh, their own personal God on my side that do battle against all the other rival gods and all their rival neighbors. Israel, on the other hand, doesn't so much have a God as they wrestle with. Look at context. Jacob, verse 24, alone. Verse 24 says, all alone. That's the first time that we've heard that since the Garden of Eden, where Adam was said to be all alone. Remember the creation story. God keeps saying, it's good, it's good, it's, it's really good. And then we're shocked to hear, it's not good. Because Adam is all alone. Why is Jacob all along. Because he's just sent across the Yabah River. All that's precious to him. Family, friends, flock, I mean, family, his, his people, the flocks, everything. To protect them from his angry brother Esau, who is coming down with 400 man strong, murderous militia there. Looks like the king and evil story is about to repeat itself. The stage set for one more shocking episode of prophesying, no, actually wholesale massacre. And suddenly, Jacob is not alone. Out from the darkness, an assailant bounces, grabs Jacob in a death grip. He's not. Jacob rattles back desperately, struggles for his life. But, no weapons. They wrestled. Just bodies wrapped together. The wordplay continues. Yaqab wrestles, or Yabek, on the banks of the Yabak. Hour after hour after hour, they Yabek, or wrestle. You know how old Jacob is at this point? 97 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you were right, Caleb. These days were a lot stronger than Eagerly it seems Jacob accepts the accepts the wrestling match. It's not Esau leaping out at him. Lethal weapon raised, like him striking Abel. Sure, wrestling is exhausted, even painful, but it's not mortal combat here. This is no fratricidal repeat of Cain's assault on Abel. Except there is that late low blow, that final blow of hell. Powerful stranger, failing to win against old men, mysterious assailant, can't overpower that shrewd heel grabber, that wily character, the hustler, that grasping, ambitious, audacious, tenacious, mendacious Jacob. This keeps going. So God grabs him the at dawn's first blush, our translation says, verse 25, the stranger struck Jacob at the socket of his head. Maybe. But the literal reading is not ball and socket. It's soft, fleshy, odd. 
Mutualism is ridiculous. We're ambiguous too, aren't we, when it comes to that part of our bodies? That represents our austerity, our progeny, our future. Sometimes we call it our most precious place, our crown jewels. Other times it's just our junk. Whatever God struck there, that Get struck by the most vulnerable. It's a crippling blow. Let me go, cries the mysterious stranger, John's first blush, as Jacob doubles over in agony. Let go. I will not gasp, Jacob. Not unless you bless me. Bless me first, cries the healed brother, as he desperately clings to the struggling God stranger so much stronger. Strange blessing again, ambiguous blessing he receives. He gets a name, Israel, God wrestler. Sounds kind of WWE ish. <laughs> Israel, the name itself is ambiguous and unclear. There aren't nice passives and, and active verbs in Hebrews. It could mean that Jacob prevailed over God, it could also mean that God beat Jacob. Who prevailed? Who won a wrestling match? Jacob or God? Yes. Oh. You see, in today's crazy adversarial world, we're told everything has to be zero sum. You lose so I can win. In politics, I mean you look racist so that I don't. On social media, I need you to look at this so I can look beautiful. In economics, I need you to stay poor so that I can maintain my lavish Western lifestyle. Nationally, I need you to be a migrant invasion, a horde of fortune seekers coming out of borders, clearly the enemy, so I can get your patriot. And in church, if I'm not holy, you're going to be judged by sin. Hogwash, the story says. Nonsense. To all those zero sum games that we play. We win, we lose together. We're, we're like that hustling little granny bug wrestler. No super spiritual uh, superheroes in this story. Any story reading the Bible, we would look far more like the beauty. Notice the surprising strength of that 97 year old Jacob Schuster, matched by the surprising weakness of God. Who gets pressed into the laws, cries uncle to an old man. And it's not even like Jacob stops being Jacob here. When Abraham gets a new name, it sticks. He's Abraham. Now Jacob gets his new name from God too. It doesn't stick. Keep reading, he's still Jacob. We have to tuck our way through another really horrible story the rape of his daughter, Diamond. Before Jacob gets renamed Israel again. And then he's oscillating between Scheisser and God Wrestler. But look where that wrestler Scheisser is. He's locked into the arms of God, Caleb points out. Jacob stared in the face of death. He saw a weapon raised. Now, Jacob looks into the very face of God, and this, the text says, Penny L, God's face. Jacob had glimpsed God, 
20 years ago when he was running the other direction, away from Esau, away from home. That God was at the top of this long ladder stretched from earth to heaven. That hell, house of God. But here's Penny now. God's face up close and personal. Right Crisis. 
aggressive tenaciously, even in the sexuality. Sure, the conservatives think they have all the answers. They don't. They're not wrestling, they're clobbering. But hey, aggressives think they've got all the answers too. I don't think they do either. That's being passive, aggressive, she's smug. That's not wrestling either. It's just capitulation to the false pagan gods of violence, arrogance, exclusion, tribalism, whatever. We don't get to penny out by claiming we're right. We don't get to see God by being right. It's wrestling that gets us into God's presence. It's the wrestling. Wrestling in the dark. Not accepting easy answers. That's not clean, easy truth. Let's be this right out. Painfully vulnerable. Let's wrestle with all of that the beauty of the air and the air. Wrestle even with God who assaults us. Wrestle even when I'm not sure it's God that I'm wrestling with. Wrestle until God wins. Wrestle until Cling to the one clinging to us. Cling to the one who wrestles all night for us. Cling to the one who wrestled in the garden for us. Cling to the one who wrestled all those horrible powers of darkness, of death, violence, bigotry, and all the powers of anti creation on the cross. For us. What amazing grace. Hear the good news. We get to wrestle. We get to wrestle right inside the armies of the power. Hallelujah. Amen.